He's amused Cam Newton. Just ask that question. <laughs> He's been insulted by Charles Barkley. When some idiot in the press asked him, if you know what you know now, what you have scheduled this game? He's interviewed Matthew McConaughey. I do say go, Tarion. And he's taken on Big Blue Nation. I see, he's just completely taken the wind out of my sails. <laughs> it's time for The Drive with Josh Graham. We've made it to a Friday drive. You are listening to WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad, where with 13 days separating us from the NFL draft, there are still a ton of questions surrounding the Carolina Panthers' top pick. Obviously, who are they going to take? And it's not uncommon for us not to know that yet. It wasn't until about a week before the draft that Trayvon Walker really emerged as Jacksonville's pick a year ago. When Baker Mayfield was the number one pick five years ago, we didn't know until that morning that was the direction Cleveland was headed in. Would Carolina be willing to move back a pick to swap with the Houston Texans? That's another question we probably won't have answered until closer to the draft. However, there is one question I keep seeing people pontificate on that seems to have an obvious answer. That question is this. Who's ultimately the chief decision maker for the Panthers? In other words, whose opinion matters above all else? If there's a tie, who splits the tie? The answer is obviously David Tepper. And I have no doubt. He's going to be making the call 13 days from now. Let's just do process of elimination here. We know it's not Frank Reich. In a perfect world, it would be him. He has to coach the quarterback, after all. And sure, his feedback is going to be taken into account. But unlike the Matt Rule arrangement, Scott Fitterer has final say on personnel decisions. Frank Reich revealed that during the introductory press conference. When it comes to Tepper, though, he has say on personnel decisions when it comes to number one picks in the draft, if you're picking in the top 10, big ticket free agents, that's the David Tepper call. Scott Fitterer is in charge of the 53-man roster and all the other little minutia, all the other signings. When it's the really big stuff that you buy a football team to be a part of, Yeah, that's going to be the owner that makes the pick. Don't be naive. That's why we see Tepper at every stage of this process, more involved than any owner we've ever seen. Going to multiple pro days? What? Going to see these guys up close? Going to dinner with them? Involved at every stage. If you have any doubt that David Tepper is going to let anybody else, anybody else's opinion trump his In terms of who gets picked, just listen to this sound from last year where the normal process of events is a team gets a player on the phone when he's drafted, and usually it's the coach or the GM that's congratulating the player. Congratulations. You are now a member of the Carolina Panthers or the Dallas Cowboys. When Iki Aquanu was drafted from state, Panthers, they put out the video of the call. It was not Matt Rule. It was not Scott Fitterer that was on the phone first. It was, you guessed it, Big Man Tepper. Icky. Man, I'm going to put you on the phone here with our owner, David Tepper. Icky, you ready to stay in Carolina? Yes, sir, I'm ready to stay. I'm telling you what, we are so happy to get you, man. We are just so happy to get you. We just can't wait to be one of the leaders on this team. We know you're going to get that, okay? When you came in... 
I said, we're getting this guy. If we get lucky, we get this guy. And I feel real lucky tonight because we got you. So, yes, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Full disclosure, this isn't a criticism. This is reality. Sometimes we like to live in this world where you look at the title, oh, general manager, that's the guy who makes all the draft picks. And he will be answering the questions as if he was the guy that turned in the card and did all these things. Head coach, oh, that's the guy who's going to be choosing the quarterback. Their opinions matter, but this is David Tepper picking it. Think about it. If you became a billionaire, you listening right now, and you bought a football team for over $2 billion, wouldn't you like to be the one that makes that pick? Wouldn't you want to do that? Wouldn't you want to be doing what David Tepper's doing? Again, not saying that's how it should be in a perfect world. Let the football people do their thing. Treat it like one of your businesses. This is why you're worth all that you're worth, David Tepper. But if we're continuing down the path of being fair, his track record suggests he doesn't mind getting involved in the football stuff. The Matt Rule impulse signing, eating the meatballs with Marty Herney, at Matt Rule's home, not letting him get on the plane with the Giants, not interview with the Giants, and giving him $70 million as a result. The seven-year contract, hiring Ron Rivera, or not hiring Ron Rivera, telling Ron Rivera that he should probably change his defensive formation before his final season in Charlotte. That's a thing that's been reported David Tepper did. So he'll value the input of Frank Reich and Scott Fitterer, and hopefully they'll all be aligned. But this is going to be David Tepper's decision. And that's another reason to believe that Bryce Young's going to be the pick. Apparently he values this S2 processing test, this cognition test, big on analytics. Oh, Bryce Young scored a 98 on that, as if anybody knows what that means. Tepper values stars. Star power, the guy who's in Dr. Pepper commercials, the guy who's, you know, been a top player in high school football, top player in college, winning the Heisman Trophy, somebody that fans recognize, doing things a little bit differently than others, being a bit different. Oh, we don't care that he's 5'10. We don't care that he plays at 190. There's no doubt, David Tepper, there is some doubt who Carolina is going to take number one. But there's no doubt that David Tepper is going to be the guy, ultimately, who makes that decision. On Twitter, at WSJS Radio, if you want in, you can also watch the show on our Twitter page, in addition to YouTube and Twitch. Will Dalton is the executive producer of this show, the WD, taking your calls at 336-777-1600. WD, got any Got any big plans for the weekend? Not yet. No parties? It's, it's no st- nothing? No, no parties. No ragers? No, no, no bangers are going to be going on. Well, since the weekend's here, probably some of you might have some party plans. And this is a party pro tip, WD. Always be thinking of your escape route. Always be thinking of the right time to leave when that is. Say your buddy's having some people over. Maybe like eight to ten people. You don't ever want to be the last one there. And there's a certain time of night, especially if it's a couple's house that you're going to, too late. It's too late. And it's no longer fun as a result. In the NBA, we've exceeded that point in the play-in tournament. As the final two games of the tourney 
begins tonight or will be played tonight before the playoffs start in earnest tomorrow. The fun portion of the play-in tournament has passed. Tonight's games are the equivalent of someone getting too drunk at that house party and throwing up in the bushes. That's what tonight's games represent. Because what are they playing for? They're playing to be the eight seed in the playoffs. In the NBA, the eight seed doesn't have a real shot at winning. We've seen 20 years of first-round seven-game series. In those 20 years, only three eight seeds have ever won, and we haven't seen an eight seed win in 11 years. And that was Chicago that lost, and it should be noted, in game one of that series, the MVP of the league, Derrick Rose, went down with an ACL injury, so you can add a big old asterisk next to that. We haven't seen an eight seed since 2014 even win more than two games in a series. So these teams tonight, they're playing for the right to lose in four, maybe five, to the Milwaukee Bucks or the Denver Nuggets, who had the best record in the NBA this year. This is a PSA to the winning teams tonight, the teams that win tonight's games. Please don't celebrate. Don't, ins- don't act like it's a huge achievement. It's embarrassing. It's one of my favorite things about the Inside the NBA show. They're honest. There's not another show like that one that would carry, be on the network that carries games. And after watching the Timberwolves and Pat Bev celebrating as if they just won the finals for winning the play-in tournament, would flat out laugh in their faces on TV like the Inside the NBA crew did. And I appreciated them for that because that's the way you should react. It's kind of like when someone goes way over the top emotional when they win an award on television. It just feels full of you know what. So don't don't be that person. Don't be that team. It's what concerns me about the mid-season tournament. You see Adam Adam Silver talking about that possibility. Hey, the All-Star game, we're rethinking that. Maybe we could do a mid-season tournament type deal. The first team that wins that is going to get clowned because they're going to act like they won something. They're going to receive a trophy. And especially if it's a guy who hasn't won in the playoffs, like if it's Jokic that wins with Denver or if it's Chris Paul that wins with Phoenix, they're going to get clowned. Oh, good for you. You won the the, the midseason tournament trophy. Uh, don't celebrate too much of that tonight. And the other thing is none of these teams tonight are all that compelling to watch. Two of them have losing records, yawn, and Miami's probably going to blow it up this summer. I mean, they're old. A lot of old dudes, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, old guys are probably going to blow that thing up. And who am I missing? Oh, the T-Wolves. They seem like they've checked out. Anthony Edwards was terrible in LA. They choked that game away. Rudy Gobert, is he going to play tonight? And if he doesn't, is it because the team doesn't want him to play after the suspension or is he making up back spasms? Oh, well, back spasms. I don't know if I'm going to be able to go. Yeah, this is the point in the party, the point in the play-in tournament where you should probably just check out and go home. Call an Uber. That's what you should probably do rather than watch these play-in tournament games. It's the Drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. You can listen to Charlotte FC Soccer on WSJS tomorrow night as boys in blue are at home against toronto fc at bank of america stadium we're now being joined by the voice you'll hear tomorrow night will pelagic from the queen city he is the voice of charlotte fc but before we get 
to the soccer, we've got some breaking news that just came into our studio. Miles Bridges has been suspended 30 games without pay for that domestic violence incident that led to an arrest last summer. But this is the interesting piece. 20 of the games have been considered served. So it's going to be 10 games to start next year. And now the question becomes, what team will he be playing for? Could it be the Charlotte Hornets, who also have to answer questions about P.J. Washington and answer questions about some of their other young guys as well. Willie P., how difficult of a decision do you think this is for Mitch Kupchak? I think it's incredibly difficult, but I think they at least now have a clear course heading when it comes down to it. I think we all kind of wondered what exactly uh, a suspension would look like. Uh, they knew that because of the fact that he didn't play an entire NBA season, there was probably going to be a time-served element. So that part of it uh, is at least made clear now. I think 10 games, if you're looking at it from Miles Bridges' perspective, seems incredibly, I don't want to say fortunate, but light in terms of what I think we all maybe expected it was going to be. The fact that it's only 10 games, and I say only 10 games, being that he's basically going to be able to play as soon as the month, the middle of the month of December with whatever team he ends up facing. I know that the Hornets are still treating him like he's uh, one of their own potential signings. They still consider him, and he is still considered a restricted free agent. So. It's definitely in the consideration portion right now on Mitch Kupchak's desk. It's just a matter of whether or not uh, they prioritize him higher than P.J. Washington. Uh, I mean, they've referenced him as being the guy who was the leading scorer and leading rebounder. But as uh, we've definitely chronicled over the course of the last couple of months, there is an incredible, I think, moral obstacle that the Hornets will have to overcome in order to make that signing happen. And I think a lot of that has to do with where the fan base would sit. And I think a lot of people are very split on this, and I think rightfully so. Then you got to consider the financial piece because of everything Miles is dealing with. Does that make him cheaper? Like, who is the more expensive option right now? Is it Miles or PJ? I think Miles is still more expensive, but I think the price on Miles maybe goes down because he missed a year. But I think there's still a lot of potential there. I mean, I was among the people. Uh, again, this was that that same off season, but before the incident happened, I was among the people who sat there and said, do you give miles bridges, whatever the heck you have to do to make that deal happen. Sure. And of course there was that delay uh, of whether or not they were going to get a deal done. And then the incident uh, got reported and then obviously everything was off the table. But you know, I, if, if we're talking about just basketball player, if it's a one or the other situation, I'd rather have miles bridges, but I know the, the discussion is a lot more complicated and nuanced uh, than just talking about two guys on one basketball floor. He's on Twitter at Willie P style, the voice of Charlotte FC joining us. What's the most interesting storyline going into Charlotte FC's match tomorrow night? I think the most interesting thing is they're back at home where they haven't necessarily played as well as they want to. And it's a place where they won 10 games last year, 10 of their 13 games a year ago were won at Bank of America stadium. And they probably got their best opportunity to get a, a home victory coming up on Saturday against the Colorado side who just uh, last week got their first victory of the season over still winless Sporting Kansas City. It's a side that that does have some quality, but I would say that that quality is diminished from uh, some of the sides that Charlotte FC have seen this year. They've got to find themselves still an opportunity to play their best two halves in one contest because we've yet to see that from this side this season. But I'm looking forward to it with some optimism because I do feel like there might be a bit of desperate nature in Charlotte FC because they've been rather fortunate the way the table has gone over the course of the first seven games. They're still in a position where if they get a win and the right results go their way, 
a win on Saturday still puts them in what would be a playoff position. Granted, it's only week eight, so I'm not sitting here and saying you project that for the long term, but that's how stacked up this Eastern Conference table is and that everything is still out in front of Charlotte FC. It's not too late yet, but it is getting late early. Can I make a confession? Please. I may or may not have looked at the wild card picture in the MLB standings. Oh, that's a little soon for you. That, really? That's a, it's a confession. We, we are fur- uh, we're further through we're all the MLS here. season. We're further through the MLS season percentage-wise <laughs> than we are through the Major League Baseball. I didn't say season. I was proud of it. I'm not justifying it. I'm just saying I clicked that tab. I saw it on ESPN. It said wild card. And I'm not going to lie. It sent a chill inside me that made me actually it warmed my stomach a bit when I saw that the Orioles had the second wild card spot when I checked it. When was the last Orioles playoff game that took place outside of a wild card round? 2014. ALCS. That's not too too far. That's not that's not too far away. You're not that you're not that That is tied like the Charlotte Hornets. That is tied for the longest playoff drought in the MLB right now. Now that Seattle isn't in the playoffs, unless you count, of course. Why does it seem like it's longer ago? That's nine. That's nine years from. From, I guess more like it's teams make ago. the playoffs now. It's yeah, more teams make the playoffs. Oh, that's that's the Rob Manfred way. Rob, Rob Manfred wants everything, wants everybody to have everything. He wants everybody to have a DH. He wants everybody to play everybody, and he wants all the games to be two hours and ten minutes now, because that's that's Rob Manfred's way. But don't get me started on baseball. Well, Pelagic's here. WD and I, I think we're headed to the match on May the sixth. I think we're locked I in on that. I can't wait for you guys. That's a fantastic week. It's Wells Fargo weekend, too, yeah. so it'll be nice. There'll be a lot of stuff going on in town. You guys can maybe uh, make it make a day of it. You know, you can go uh, go see the golf in the morning and then go uh, go to the uh, the game at night. I think that the, uh, a lot of people, I think, are going to be doing that uh, on Saturday because of uh, where the game time is. So uh, that's, uh, that's going to be a great, great day. Come early, be prepared, and uh, uh, hopefully bring your uh, umbrella for some beer showers. WD, you've got... I'm not much of a jersey guy. I think I'm probably going to go scarf. I might invest in one of nice. the scarfs. You you strike me as a jersey guy. Uh, yeah, I can rock a jersey. Okay. I also so. like those like three-quarter zipper pullovers. Oh, yeah. Like the quarters, the Jim Nance uh-huh. quarter zip. Oh, yeah. I'm a yeah. big, I'm a big quarter zip guy. Right. Mm. Big love, quarter zip guy. Love a quarter but zip. I, I, I like going with the, uh, sometimes I'll rock the jersey with the blazer. Very, uh, very American chic is the way that I've uh, had it put to me by my partner Jessica Charman. She says that's uh, it's very American of you. To What's do that. the shoe wear when you rock blazer with a jersey? I wear the uh, the Adidas Copas, the uh, the Charlotte FC branded shoes that uh, that came out last year. My wife got them for me for Christmas, and uh, it's it's a it's a popping kick as it as it were. It uh, it's got the blue, it's got the blue in it, so it really pops to make L- it. Little, to go three for three on Charlotte sports, major sports teams don't want to leave the Charlotte Knights out for you know the professional context here. Um, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to a Knights game on Sunday. Have some going fun to, going my that. first Knights game of the year on Sunday. Boom. So we'll be we'll be happy about that. Fantastic. We love minor league baseball around here. How many reliable insiders have to tell you Bryce Young is the pick before you think it's not a smokescreen? Because when for me it was when it was Peter King and Adam Schefter this week, in addition to Chris Mortensen saying it where I thought this isn't a smokescreen anymore. The Panthers have the number one pick. They're taking Bryce Young. It was like four weeks ago when I joined you and I said, you know, I had a couple of conversations and and the the tide was starting. Because I think around the one month ago, Mark, was the last portion of time when we stopped hearing all of these, 
you know, back and forth. Or one guy saying Richardson, one guy saying Stroud. The, the consensus started to be built with me about a month ago where I, I heard the right things and right reasons said to me about and for Bryce Young. What's the number that, one right reason? I think, honestly, and, and it, this this is something that not a lot of people would talk about, I think he has the capacity to lead a franchise. I think C.J. Stroud is going to be a great quarterback. I don't know if he's a, boy, a guy you build your franchise around. I think they feel confident in the ability to build the franchise, and that's all-encompassing. That's not just from an on-field standpoint. That's from a marketability standpoint. They want a guy they can put a billboard up on the corner of Minton Moorhead to, to sell tickets and have that kind of uh, excitement around him. I understand there's concerns about the height, but I think enough people have told them the right things, and Nick Saban is probably chief among them, that the height really doesn't come into play when you think about the play on the field. The only thing you're questioning is durability, but who's predicting durability in this day and age right now? You can't really predict that for anybody accurately. And so at the end of the day, it comes down to who do you think is going to be the best player? And I look at it from the Houston Texans standpoint, if they were in this position. Which of these players do you feel like could elevate the Houston Texans, a team on a much different timeline than the Carolina Panthers are? Which one could elevate the Texans most of the three top guys? I think Bryce Young was the answer. And so you take that and extrapolate it to the Panthers. Why is the question any different? I think the answer is Bryce Young, and that's who I think is going to be the pick come two weeks from yesterday. Willie P., it's good to see you. Have a great call tomorrow night. Have fun at the ballpark on Sunday. We'll talk to you next week. And I'm also going to be in your neck of the woods on Wednesday for Islanders Hurricanes playoff game number two. We might have to get you to stop in on your way to Raleigh. We might need to make that happen. I'll, Could I'll possibly. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll try to figure out the details. Could possibly. Have fun. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that's, it. That's Will Pelagic, the voice of Charlotte FC, joining us on WSJS. Let me throw this out here, too. A chance for um, Willie P. was reminding me about baseball things. The Tampa Bay Rays can start 14-0 tonight, which would be the modern MLB record. This is the thing I love about baseball so much, WD. A lot of these same stats you can go back to the 1800s on. The, the, the last team to start better than than 13 and 0 because they've tied the 82 Braves and the 87 uh, Brewers is the 1884 uh, St. Louis Maroons who started 20 and 0. Jeez. The 1884 St. Louis Maroons started 20 and 0. We don't we don't talk about many 1800s. No, I we, we don't If get I've that. said it once, I've said it a million times. We don't talk enough about that <laughs> St. Louis Maroons team. <laughs> That was they got any swag? Is there any gear out there we can get? Fantastic. Uh, the Rays are in Toronto tonight looking to break the modern-day record to stand alone. Coming up, though, a draft opinion that you are going to hate at first, but then when you think about it for even 10 to 15 seconds, if you just think about it for a bit, you're going to realize that I'm right. Keep it here on The Drive. Places, everyone. Come on, places, please. We're ready. Get your morning off to a great start with Jeffrey Griffin on Triad Today. Weekday mornings at 7. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. Perhaps I'm misreading the room, but I don't think I am. I think I have a good read on my audience. 
this seems like something that's going to be unpopular, but hear me out. There might be some of you that love the Carolina Panthers enough that you're willing to go to the draft in person to see them draft the number one pick. I don't know if you hear. See, that's the thing. Do you even hear the chimes in person? Or is that something baked into the TV product? Something we could get to in a second. This might be unpopular, but even though the Panthers are picking number one, don't make the trip out to the draft. What are you getting out of that? What what seems fun about going to the draft as a fan? It's in Kansas City this year. Not Vegas, not Nashville, not New York City, not even New Orleans. Kansas City. If you're going to the draft, odds are the pitch is, hey, it's not just the fact that guys are getting picked. We're also going to get drunk. We're going to party. We're going to gamble. We're going to do both. We're going to do all that. Kansas City, great barbecue over there. I respect it. Not as good as ours. Not just saying that because I'm, you know, based here. Saying it because I grew up here and I've experienced both. I have preferences, you know. I I don't get it. Kansas City does not sound like the most fun place to be when guys say they're having a bachelor weekend or ladies having a bachelorette. Kansas City's not usually on the list. That's probably the way to put it. And even if it wasn't in Missouri, if it was in any of those other places I mentioned, what makes the draft a good in-person spectator event? Uh, what exactly are you watching? You're going to watch a very rich man in a suit read a card over and over again and watch another now rich person also in a suit hug that man, and hold up a jersey. That is the entertainment spectator product that you're getting in person. To be clear, I love the draft. It's one of my favorite events, but do you know what it is? It's a TV show. It has characters, and I count the chimes as a character in its own right. Kuiper. Do you hear Kuiper in person? I'd imagine not. Do you hear McShay? Do you get Rich Eisen? Do you get fill in the blank? Do you get Daniel Jeremiah? I don't think you do because they're all at the same place. Do you get the interviews in person? No, it's a TV show. Why would you want to watch that in person? I get it from a work perspective. Hey, you're Joe Person. The picks are happening. You're interviewing the draft prospects. You're doing all that. But as a fan... When you don't actually get to engage with, I imagine, the draft picks, what exactly is the appeal of going to the draft? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's a great TV show. I love the TV show so much that I make sure wherever I'm at, I'm usually watching it with people, that nobody is on Twitter during the draft while picks are happening because I don't want any of them tipped. I don't want anybody to spoil the picks for me. That's like spoiling The Bachelor. Hey, in about 15 seconds, Becca's about to lose it. Well, 
why did you tell me that? I wanted to see it in person. That's that's the equivalent to you telling me, oh man, we know who the Texans just took and it's going to be a big shock. Don't be that person. Please don't. That person's the worst. You ruined the TV show. WD, are you with me here? I'm not. What? What do you imagine you get from going to the draft in Kansas City? Uh, the experience of being there live for it. It's live action. But what are you watching? You're watching the draft. Like, so all these things that Mel Kuyper and Jeremiah and all these, and Schefter, everybody's, right. li- you're literally there. You're oh, in the middle of here's it. Here's the other piece of it. If we're being honest about it, you better be the biggest college football fan ever if after the top 10 picks, after the aside from quarterbacks, you don't know who any of these players are. And there are times you probably don't even know who the players are anyway. I know a fraud when I see it. Oh, your team picks, you got the camera in your face, and they draft a tackle out of Iowa, and you got Jet fans losing it as if they know anything about this person at all. They don't. You don't know who these players are. And, again, you don't know if they're any good either. And you're cheering just because I, I'm here to cheer. That's what I'm here for. I don't know if this is good or not. It's not a good it's not a good in-person product. It doesn't make sense. David Clemens, 336-777-1600. Are you with me on the draft? 100%. Yeah, that, having the draft, going to the draft anywhere is terrible, terrible experience. But I wanted to call in and talk a little Bryce Young and uh, see what you think about Are you thing. for him being the number one pick in the draft? Yes. I was for him being the number one pick last year during the middle of the season after all the bowl games. If you look at what Bryce Young did to Georgia, we always talk about C.J. Stroud in the Georgia game, right? Mm -hmm. The year before that, Bryce Young lit up an even better Georgia defense in the SEC title game, the one where Jameson uh, Williams tore his ACL. Bryce Young went off in that game went off in that game and I wanted to compare him and it's going to be a cross sport reference but I wanted to see what you thought of this Steph Curry I can't tell you okay can I hold you up real quick it's a good comparison I like it it's what makes him exciting like you can't even compare him to football players it's all that but I've heard the Steph Curry comparison about 20 times to the point where I like it and I love Steph I'm with you on it but it's I don't know if the same traits that are great in basketball are also great in football. That's my problem with it. No, I I 100% get that and see where you're coming from with that. But there's just this appeal to Bryce Young. You know, I've seen him live a couple times, and his spatial awareness, he he reminds me so much of Steph, how he facilitates, how he sets everything up. He's a team player. You know, you look at the play. The only knock you can have against Bryce Young or a Steph Curry is you're arguing against their size, their height, their yeah. weight. That's the only argument you can – valid argument, in my opinion, you can have going against taking Bryce Young number one. I see and, it. And, and you, you have the upside, if you do take him, of him possibly being like a Steph Curry and changing the franchise forever. Yeah, I see it. Thanks for the call, Dave. Have a great weekend, too. That's Dave and Clement. Big weekend plans coming up. Me and Willow going to be hanging out. I need to figure out. She likes her mom just a little bit more than she likes me. I'm trying to figure out a way to change change that. Treats.
more treats. Yeah, I'm trying to figure. But she's like so good at playing with dogs. I don't know how. She, like she's, she's like the Steph Curry, of playing oh, with dogs. She's really good, really playful at that. I'm not as good at that. No, be the, be the MJ of it then. That's what I need to do. You're on the drive with Josh Thirteen days. That's all that separates us from draft night. We'll hear the chimes on the broadcast. I don't know if you hear that in person in Kansas City, but we always like the chimes around here. You get it on both the ESPN and the NFL Network broadcast, right? I think you do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Augusta Stone joins us now from Panthers.com. It's good to see you, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. You can watch the show in addition to the way you might be listening. Um, Let's start in a practical sense. Some are acting like it's weird that the Panthers might not know who they're picking right now, or at least we don't know who they're picking right now. A year ago, Trayvon Walker, I don't think we knew that the Jags were going to take him until about a week before the draft. We didn't know until the day of that Baker was going to be the pick for the Browns. I guess, do you find it difficult to find somebody find who to trust and who not to trust when it comes to information between now and draft night. How many people do you trust? Me? Um, From my standpoint, I don't trust anybody unless I'm hearing it from the direct source. Um, so here, here's what's funny. Um, I've talked a lot. I've been asked a lot about this, um, the process of things. How do they not know? Um, and to say like, oh, they definitely don't know, especially at this point. Um, I think they still have a couple of quarterbacks to bring in for their top 30 visits still. But after pro days, after... You know, there's only so much film you can watch to say they definitely don't know at this point might, you know, they might know now more than they did when they first traded up to number one. Right. Um, now, will they just go ahead and show their cards? That's that's to be determined. Um, so I wouldn't I mean, you know, they may know they may not know. The evaluation is obviously, you know, coming to a close, as you said, 13 days. And I'm fully aware of that number because we are really holding on tight, waiting to see, you know, when it happens. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the thoroughness of this search, I mean, you, you just can't understate it. I think that's, that's the key here. That has to be the key. It's you, been so thorough. you were at Bryce Young's pro day in Tuscaloosa. What moment or conversation during that pro day has most stuck with you? Easily when I had, I mean, this was such a quick chat too with Scott Fitterer while he was running out, um, I think on his way to go get to Birmingham and catch a flight. So I got him for probably three, four minutes tops. Um, and hearing the way he spoke about Bryce Young specifically at that dinner, because I mean, we all watched the throws. So like, you know, I could tell you all day long, like, yes, he's poised. Yes, he has everything. Yes, he showed his, you know, range and all this other stuff. But what Scott told me about how he held court and the way he discussed it, you know, sitting at the table with the Teppers and Scott and Dan Morgan, Samir Suleiman, the coaching staff, I assume, you know, Frank and Thomas Brown were there. And the way he made him sound so poised and confident to me that that stuck with me. And I think that that's something that, uh, you know, you don't see on tape. 
and that's something that you can only get from those those meetings and so uh, that stuck with me the way he talked about how those meetings went. Cause I was like, Oh, okay. So they were impressed. Yeah. They were pretty impressed. And Bryce young apparently had scallops. Do I have that right? He did scallops and a salad per Nicole Tepper. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah. See, just put that into your draft analysis. I'm sure everything gets broken down scallops and the salad. According to uh, Nicole Tepper, we're being joined by Augusta stone from panthers.com. A story that you had earlier this week, involved Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator. How much of an idea does Thomas Brown, you think, have of who the guy is going to be in terms of what you described, him having to build a playbook from scratch? Because I'd imagine a playbook that has Bryce Young at the controls looks a lot different than one that has C.J. Stroud. Exactly. And I asked him about that specifically. I really appreciated the insight that he gave me, especially on kind of um, the point I talked to him. So I interviewed him for this story early last week and it ran early this week. So that that interview was probably about four to five days old whenever that story ran. Um, just kind of the way things work. So at that point, he may have had less of an idea than he does today, for example. Um, the thing about writing a playbook that I mean, you know, i have never been through the process. So and maybe it makes sense to people who are more into the world. But to me, I thought it was very fascinating the way he kind of broke it down as it's almost like this living document that they start with bones and then like almost like build meat off of as you go. So he said that he had created you know, the base that could be kind of tailored around whoever they pick and their specific skill sets. He didn't make it sound to me like he was absolutely clueless on who they were going to pick or maybe, you know, maybe other names that they were leaning toward in that regard. And he pointed out, I think I wrote about it specifically, you know, certain guys who are more mobile will add this and certain guys who are, you know, better at Z or better at Y will do Z, things like that. So, but um, the, what they're handing out now, I think is kind of more of that bare bones concept kind of thing. And then when they draft the guy, they'll be able to add to it. So it's like this living thing that you can like, build and put leaves on like a tree or something. And I found that really interesting. So um, yeah, I would say he, he probably has better of a clue than, than you and I do. <laughs> Have you run into some of these top 30 recruits that are on visits? I have not. No, I have not. Although, you know, I am in the building, but I'm about two, two floors above. So I have not. <laughs> I guess the stones with us. We should close with a couple of uh, topical draft quick hitters here. Um, have you had access to the S2 cognitive test? <laughs> I have not. No, I have not. But How I've would seen you fare in it? How would you do, you think? Who, honestly, I'm going to say something. I'm, I'm sneaky book smart. I was, I was a 4.0 student in college up until my second semester junior year. I graduated with honors. I, I don't know. I, I have, I, I dominated a Jeopardy tournament this past weekend. Like, I'm pretty good. So I think I got pretty high. I think I would. And this might be, we're, we're all friendly. We're friends right now. But I think we're going to disagree on this front because everybody I've talked to has disagreed with this opinion, even though I, I just, someone has to help me understand it in a way that makes sense to me. Are You're going to the draft in Kansas City, yes? I am not. No, okay. actually. I'm good. saying that. I'm happy for you because I don't understand what the appeal is as an in-person spectator event, the draft is, especially when it's not 
in Nashville or Vegas where you can drink and you can party and you can gamble or do all three if you like. Uh, you could go to, I mean, New York, New Orleans. Like, it makes sense in those regards. With respect to Kansas City, it's not necessarily a place that I, I got married last year. Like, it was not on the top of the list of bachelor party locations or bachelorettes, I'm sure, are not being held in Kansas City. It sounds like a lovely city, but that doesn't seem like an appeal. And then when you start thinking about the spectator event itself, oh, great, we get to see a rich man walk out and read a card and then hug now another rich man and then hold up a jersey and you miss the television show too. Like, I don't think you get to hear Mel and you get to hear Daniel Jeremiah and all of that. I don't think you get that in the in the stadium. And, am I off base to think that the draft itself as an in-person spectator event might be a bit overrated? I don't think you're completely off base. The only counterpoint I would have to that is I am imagining something beautiful and disruptive and also very nerve wracking about being around different pods of every single fan base. Like, <laughs> think about how unique that is. Like, like, because every, you know, they, they'll all send representatives. I know we're sending some people, yeah, like yeah. some females. That is such a unique experience. Like, where else are you going to see Bengals fans, Falcons fans, Panthers fans, Steelers fans? everyone just hanging out like maybe there's some weird beef between teams that never play that like you can just like be a part of that's the only thing i can imagine. it might be an ar that also might be an argument against too where it's like do i really want to be around you're not gonna sell them on this i guess and you're Jets not fans. Do it. well also here's here's the other thing i the what i watch a lot of college football a lot of college football Love it. Yeah. and the thing is i'll be honest I don't, if I were emotionally attached to a team enough to be there in person, I doubt, I strongly doubt, even in that circumstance, I'll be that jacked if my team's picking outside the top 10 and they take someone who's not a quarterback. Like, there's no chance when they pan to the fan, the Jet fan who's excited. Jets aren't a good example because they're usually picking in the top 10. Let's use a different team. Uh, maybe, like, it's a Titans fan. And you zoom up on his face and he's jacked about the, the tackle from Iowa that they just took. Like, you you ha you don't know who that is. You don't, you never heard of that person before. There's no chance. So that's another piece of it, too, that aside from the quarterbacks and top 10 picks, most people probably don't know who these players are. That's true, but then they're getting their 15 minutes of fame. Maybe they just want to be on TV so yeah. bad. Think about it that way. I mean, I don't. I, I'm pre like, I am a, I'm so happy being a writer. I ain't looking for that. But I have some friends that would like to look jacked up for, like, Lordy, I don't know. Maybe uh, Michael Mayer. I don't want him to catch a stray, but like, you know what I mean? Like just random tight end. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I understand. Augusta, <laughs> Augusta Stone, you, you're beaming with positivity and I appreciate it. And um, you're a delight and the Southern accent shining through is a delight as well as always. And welcome here on WSJS. Uh, great work throughout this draft process and uh, best of luck the next 13 days. Thanks for the time too. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good one.